0: How y'all doing today? The woos have it. Um, So we have three pillars. We spent all of 2019 exclusively talking about them, all of 2020 surviving, and all of 2021 uh, shooting out the gates, uh, getting ready to take over the world in Jesus name. Uh, And so I've said it before, uh, January was a mulligan, didn't count. Uh, uh, God did a lot of really cool things, but I was at home with a baby, and so all the things I wanted to, like, pour into the church, uh, I wasn't here to do that. And so God did a lot of really awesome things. We saw uh, that's when a lot of opportunities began to reveal themselves was in January. Uh, But now we're in February, and we are closing in on the last message of kind of like the vision, a mission of our church, Uh, which you should always expect around January and February of every year. I'll probably talk about them because they are the DNA and core of who we are. Have you ever heard in the Bible, right, where it says faith, hope, and love are good things he gave us, but the greatest is love? So what that saying is, hope and faith are great and amazing things, but love is superior, correct? So with that same mentality, uh, I think when we talk about our three pillars, uh, it's literally in order of importance, Right. And so what I'm not about to teach you that evangelism isn't important, but I'm teaching you that out of our three pillars, it is the least important. But I mean that in the sense of it's like as least important as faith is to love, which is still obviously a very important thing. And here's why I say that, because first and foremost, we all know the truth. No one can impact this world for Jesus unless they love Jesus and have a relationship with him, right? It is radically important that we have a personal relationship with Jesus before anything. It brings healing into our lives. It brings breakthrough into our lives. It Actually, you get to be an example of the transformating power of God. So when other people begin to wonder what it means to be set free, your life could be an example of that. And it's found truly in just prayer, in worship in reading your word or just meditating on the word of God. It's important. It is the most important thing you can do. Right, um, I know a lot of people who wonder what their calling is. They wonder what God is asking them to do. They're wondering why is they just we get lost and wrapped up in things that aren't important. And I'm here to tell you that actually, getting alone with God in your secret place clears up a lot of things. Uh, I saw a pastor kind of uh, recently, and someone who I really look up to and really respect. And it's because of humanism and the the kind of how this church is becoming more philosophical than it's becoming about a king, right? Then it's becoming about something actually really happening. Uh, Jesus is not a theoretical fact, he's a historical fact. He's something that actually happened in the timeline. You can point to his presence and his time here on earth and it's important but what happens is the farther away we get, the more we turn him into an ideal instead of a personal relational God. And when you have a personal, relational God, and you have a word, and you have God teaching you his word, what happens is you can actually sit in the word of God, and you can actually learn who he is. God is not distant. He's not far away. It's not the kind of God we worship anymore. We don't worship the kind of God that we have to go to some weird ziggurat, and we have to, we have, that's a real word Zach taught me. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Learning in college, but Zach talks about it a lot. So if you have a question, go to Zach. Um. But like, and you don't have to go into this place where it's like, and if you do the right rituals, then you get the presence of God. No, like the veil was torn and God presented himself and turned us into a temple because he cares about us. This relationship is no longer, there's no destination you have to go to to find God. Like weirdly enough, like you are the destination. And so now what happens is instead of being a sojourner who has to go and find the presence of God, I become the presence of God. But God still tells us to travel, but not to go find him, but to bring him. Right? But it starts with a personal relationship. And then what happens is over time, if you're actually listening to God, Right, And I say actually because I know a lot of people who love God, and I do believe I'll see them in heaven someday, but they've deafened their ears to him. And though they still worship him in spirit, not always necessarily in truth. And here's what I mean by that. Um, We talked about it last week. You are not in the fullness of your calling with God if you are not involved with and attached to a local church. No one in this world, here, let me, let me tell you something. If someone ever says something along the lines of, I'm just in a place where it's just me and God, they're not good for you. You need to bring them a truth. They don't have something for you. You have something for them. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm just in a place where God's telling me that it's really him who's teaching me. That's unhealthy. Yeah. And, and you're not being discipled by your favorite communicator. Right. You're being discipled by the pastor who will actually put his hands on your head and pray for you. The pastor who will actually take your call and pray with you. The one who, when your marriage is on the rocks or your relationship is struggling or you don't quite know what direction God has for you and you're in doubt and you're wondering, that's where God has called you. He didn't call you to have mentors, right? Well, I mean, I'm sure they can be helpful. I have mentors in my life who aren't my direct pastors, but I also have a pastor, right? Right? I have a place that I call home. It's this church, right? And I've said it last week and I'll say it again. I'm not a pastor over a church. I'm a pastor in a church. And that's important. I learn just as much as I give out because my whole role around here is just to equip. But God has called us to community. And again, here's why I say even community, the church itself, and dedicating your life to the church is more important than evangelism. Now, again, we're going to get into evangelism and why it's, the, why it's so important and why it changes the world. So I'm not trying to undermine it, but I'm letting you know that evangelism is present in the other two. Because if I carry God within me wherever I go, I'm actually changing things, sometimes even unaware. It's better when you're aware, though, because I'm taking God with me to my job. I'm taking God with me when I walk through the streets. I'm taking God with me into a Walmart. Right? But then Jesus says, by your love for one another, the world will know who I am. That's the church. That's what he's talking about. So when Jesus' first and most important aspect of how do I evangelize most, you, you find a place where you're at peace in a community of people. It is the most effective form of evangelism. It's also our second pillar. But at some point, just praying and just staying in our houses, at some point, it's not enough because God also called us out. Yeah. And there was a prophetic word spoken over our church. Actually, let me put it this way it was a prophetic rebuke spoken over our church. And today, I'm interested in addressing it. And I'm interested in walking forward. And the word was this. There is an ocean in this church that doesn't even lap at the sidewalks. There is a deep well in this room. Many of you are so anointed, so called, so much that God is telling you to do. And some of you probably sincerely, it's not time to start running in those things. Some of you, it probably is. Some of you, it's time to to dip your toe in and just tell your neighbor Jesus loves him. But there's there's a well here and there's a deep one. There's a place that when you go out, a place where you can get refilled again, right? Because what gets poured into you will always eventually pour out. Don't pour on empty. Come back, get the word of God, get filled, right? When Jesus is saying like to the woman at the well, he says to her um, the whole concept of like, I know a water where you'll never thirst again. He's talking about himself. He's talking about his word and his church and the presence of his Holy Spirit. He's promising a divine fulfillment that I think many of us haven't totally, fully experienced because we still attach ourselves to worldly things instead of anchoring on the only unchangeable, the only constant. And in Acts 1.8, our only constant said this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Ready? And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Keep that up for a second. Basically. <laughs> Fuzz. Like a, I, just, I just inhaled like a fluff. I'm going to call this a Selah moment. <clears throat> Selah. We'll cut that out of the podcast. Probably not. Um, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Your immediate neighbors, your immediate country, and the rest of the world. First, get on your street, and then get in your city. (laughs) That's the tagline of Boulevard. And yes, we made a city-sounding phrase, but that on your street and in your city literally is just us ripping off the Great Commission. The expressed purpose of that saying, on your street and in your city, is we want to create actual disciples in this place. Not fans, not attenders, but disciples who actually alter this city. But what happens, I think, is we get too big for our britches and we want to conquer the world before we've even conquered our neighborhood. And I think our intran- I think with Miriam B's door opening, I think there is a clear-cut direction of a way to impact our immediate street. Which will open doors to the city. Amen. See so the Great Commission is is Amazing, and um, what's his name? David Livingston has a quote that you've probably heard me say a bunch of times, but I want to say it again. He says, if, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, then how could a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Being sent by God is not a sacrifice. It's an honor. Because of how much he's done for us. And it's easy to understand it as an honor, if our mind stays focused on that first pillar, which is my relationship with God. Because then forgiveness comes easy if I'm aware of the level of forgiveness that I'm under. That being said, is forgiveness always easy? Most times it's not. But I think that's an intimacy problem. I think that a lot of us will naturally slip into it. Imagine if God explained all the reasons why he shouldn't forgive you and thought that it was justifiable of his unforgiveness. Actually, that would be just, but God chose mercy. So go, choose mercy. But the Great Commission, Jesus says this. He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have taught you. It's not going to pop up on the screen because I feel like we've, we use this verse a lot. But there's an important aspect of true evangelism, and it's this. Go, baptize, teach. I'm not expecting you to come to me. I'm going to you. Baptizing is I'm turning you into a Christian. right? The baptism is death to self, enliven Christ, You're becoming a part of this kingdom, and now I'm teaching you how to live in this kingdom, right? Go baptize and teach. I could preach a three-point sermon on that. I'm not going to, but I think you should meditate upon those things. And really consider them, because evangelism is not a recommended aspect of Christianity. Evangelism is a necessary aspect of Christianity. God didn't request it. He required it. Now, here's the truth, though. Many of us have a view of evangelism that's based on whoever your hero is or whatever crowd you swim with is, and the truth is, is evangelism is a uniquely personal thing. We all have something to bring to the table. It's why the Bible never says evangelize like this. Many people will be like, well, well Paul, when he evangelized, he are you Paul? Yeah. You're not even an apostle. Yeah. You're probably not called to the nations. Some of you are. You're probably not though. Some of you are just called to your work but you could turn that whole place for Jesus. Some of you will never be called to be missionaries. You should support them, though. Some of you are called to be missionaries. Some of you think you're called to be missionaries because you're running away from home, because you're too hurt, and you need to learn community before you go hit the nations, because doing anything out of order will always inevitably fail because of God's good grace. Because he loves you so much. Some of you are healed enough. (laughs) But you don't believe in yourself. And again, this is why we go back to that second pillar constantly. Community. Get leaders. People who will love you and pour into you. People who will look at you and in love, who care about your calling more than they care about if you like them or if you throw tithe in the bucket or if you'll add to their numbers, who say, what are you doing? So I'm going to take this backwards, and then we're going to worship, because this is a good day. I've always said this. I think evangelism is the hardest thing to preach on, because very rarely is there fuzzies in the sermon. Is there warm, except for the one that I inhaled and almost choked on. Uh, very rarely are there warm fuzzies in that message, because it's just, it's just It's Nike. Just do it. <laughs> it's actually a Hebrew word, which means to do, <laughs> which is funny. Um, um, and I don't know. I, I feel like the little, the Nike switch, like someone got paid a butt ton of money to go. <laughs> I think about that a lot. I'll watch certain things. I'm like, I could have thought about that. Like what? You watch a Hot Pocket commercial? <laughs> it was Jim Gaffigan joke. Hot Pocket. Billions. Boom. Thought of the jingle, made billions. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. um, But really, um, it's the hardest message to preach because the fuzzies aren't really there. It's if you believe Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I know for a fact during this week, at some point, you knew to tell someone about Jesus, you felt pressured to extend the hand in some way throughout this week, and most of us chose not to do it. Some of you, here's the truth, some of us have gotten really good at ignoring God, and you got actually, this week, he didn't say anything. It's because you've hardened yourself to a still small voice. But here's the thing, he's never far. He's always there. And I can't tell you how many times I've realized, wait, I haven't heard God like this in a while, gotten to my knees and said, God, forgive me, bring it back. And almost always, it happens immediately. And the times I can think back in my life where I wake up on my bed in the middle of the night and I feel God, it's three in the morning, I have work in the morning, I have something I have to do, it's three in the morning, my kids are actually sleeping, and I wake up and I'm like, I'm gonna roll back to sleep and go to bed, and I feel the still small voice of God go, No, come up and pray. Go into your living room and cry out right now. And I roll over and I go to bed. And eventually you'll wake up one day and if you're really thinking about it, you'll be like, he hasn't woken me up in a while. Mm -hmm. I've had those moments. And whenever I cry out to God, I say, God, bring it back. Inevitably that night, in his faithfulness, he will. And I'll run to the secret place for a while. Until I don't anymore. And the cycle continues. But I really think that's the point. The Bible literally, look at this verse. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness. So why did he bring the Holy Spirit? If you want to feel the Holy Spirit of God moving upon you more, I I would argue that it's because you haven't gone to Jerusalem, Judea, and the rest of the earth. If you feel like, well, I just don't really feel like God's leading me. Well, it's because he's out there with the broken people. And he's moving on those who are taking the time to extend a hand and show love. And just like me, when I maybe wake up and I lose sight of God and I roll over, maybe we've rolled over so many times that we don't feel as close to God as we used to be. And here's the truth. Your calling is not what brought you into the presence of God. But if faith that works is dead, eventually, at some point, if I'm not doing my call, I'm going to feel a deadness, right? And that's why I said it's the hardest message to preach on. Because, like, where, like, the message is just go tell people about Jesus. They need it just like you needed it. Yeah. And where would I be if the message didn't come to me? I would be where they're at now. I have been saved 10 years now, and to this day, no one has walked up to me on the streets and tried to tell me about Jesus. Except Will. I'm just kidding. so be my witnesses in judea okay the message is called reach the lost by the way uh judea (laughs) jerusalem judea and samaria and the ends of the earth i want to take this backwards so let's start with the ends of the earth i want to talk about How evangelism should look biblically. So number one, point number one, let's talk about missionaries. Let's talk about missionary work, right? Uh, Because to the ends of the earth does mean at some point, if we are not a part of the gospel spreading outside of our country, we are missing out on an aspect of the Great Commission. I think Sierra, in her prayer this morning, and if you're listening to the yeah. podcast, Sierra is someone who comes to our church. Uh, Sierra, in her prayer this morning, she mentioned that sometimes maybe God didn't actually send you out, but that doesn't mean you don't have a part to play, whether in prayer, in partnership, in opening doors. But some of you, he has called out there, right? And some of you, he's called to live out there, and some of you, he's called to kind of go back and forth, And that's a personal thing before the Lord. And here's the thing, though. Whenever I have messages like this where it's like, hey, go and do the thing, right? What inevitably happens is the complacent people stay complacent. And the insecure people start to wonder if they should go to the nations. So if you never really consider going to the nations and suddenly like, oh, my God, I need to go to the nations, you're group two. Take a deep breath. God will call you comfortably. And I don't mean you'll be comfortable. I mean, you'll know it's God. Yeah. It won't be a moment of insecurity in the middle of a message. where like, oh my God, wait, am I supposed to go to the nations? And it's like, no, has he spoken it? Has he guided you? And when he spoke it, was there a timetable? Because if Paul just got up and goes straight to Asia, and then he just ignored everyone along the way and thought that he'd be of any significance when he got to the next country, he would have been unsuccessful. But Paul, as his life, and if you watch his missionary travels, he's planting, he's staying. Like, even the great missionaries of old spent years and years and years local. And this is why I say this, because again, I want to say, my experience is most people called to the mission grounds are running away from an abusive father, are running away from some kind of bad relationship, are running away from the fact that they never really learned to be alone with God, And so they feel that in their doing, they will find love from God. And you are better than that, and you are worth more than that. And you don't need to go to the nations to be loved by God. Go because you love God, not because you thought that maybe God would be pleased with me if I just. And again, God is so graceful. Some of you, how many times have you tried to go, but he always closed the door? It's not because you're rebellious, it's because he's loving. It's because you tried to go somewhere you weren't called to go. But some of you, no matter how much you try to plant, find that job, get that house, it doesn't work. Why? Because he loves you. And he's trying to boot you. And you just don't listen. <laughs> and anywhere in between. So I can't answer it for you. But Jesus said this, and this is important. In Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus Christ is not coming until the missionaries fulfill their role. It is a vital and important aspect of the church. Here is my thing, right? We treat the fivefold ministry, which we've talked about this before. I don't even know where I stand on the fivefold ministry. I kind of feel like it's four and a half, but we'll talk about that in a totally different message, right? But we, we, we—I feel like okay, an apostle, the mighty man of God who presides over the church. There's a seat at the table in the church for you, the pastor. Even though you've only been mentioned in the all of the Bible one time, you're the most important part of the body. (laughs) So there's a seat at the table for you, the prophet. The man of God who brings the word, or woman of God, depending on the denomination you're in. Um, (laughs) The man or woman of God, and our church is mostly ladies for some reason, so it's like, come on, Kevin, let's go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a seat at the table for that gift, and the teachers, of course, there's a seat at the table. Because if there's not a good enough sermon on Sunday, well, this church is not deep enough for me. So we build churches around that gift. But the evangelist, why do we treat them like they're not at the table? And so what happens is most of us consider evangelism as if that's the guy out there. But the evangelism is for the equipping of the saints, not even for the creation of disciples. It's to equip you to evangelize, meaning they need to have a seat at the table in the building. But evangelists are perpetual wanderers, and pastors are perpetual planters, and they hate each other. Even though they're all a part of the body of God. Because you encourage my people to leave, but they need to hear my gift. But I don't know how to submit because I'm a wanderer. Even though that was the curse of Cain, to wander. And God didn't call us to be wanderers. He called us to be planted. Even missionaries should plant. Even missionaries need to be discipled. Even missionaries need a place to call home because they're broken and tired and they see the worst sides of life. The sides that many of us never see with our white collar jobs, right? They need a place where they can come and just fall and cry. And that is the chance for the person who wasn't called out to the nations to look and be like, you just need a dad. You just need a mom and hug them. And walk them through what they're going through. The world will not see the return of the Messiah until the missionaries walk in their calling. But I think that missionaries will never walk right in their calling until the church embraces them as an an actual part of the church. A part of the body that has a function. That if you're the people out there, you're not attached to the heart. But if I'm the one severing you, I'm hurting my own body. And it's important. And you're important for that. But make sure you're healthy first. All of you called to missions. This is a young adult-centered church mostly. Some of you older folk believe in you in Jesus' name. You're going to bring more and we're going to be more. But right now it's mostly young people. And I want to tell you, you probably are called to the nations, many of you. But work your heart out a little bit. Get healed. It's okay. Feeling the pressure to run out and just do something is a sign of insecurity. (laughs) Get alone with God. You will never miss your timing. How did Jesus know he was in the will of God? Well, he was God. (laughs) How do you know? He says, I only do what I've seen the father do. So what does that mean during the storm when Jesus was sleeping? What was he seeing the father do? So even though you know the world needs you and your gift and your call, can you rest if God's calling you to rest? Can you heal if God's calling you to heal? And maybe before sending you to the nations, is it going to have you build something here? I mean, this is a little church. And if God called you here, he probably didn't call you to the nations tomorrow. Because <laughs> this isn't a good launching pad. But maybe he called you to build a springboard. Look, I've said this before. I've equated God to Gandalf. When he says like, when Frodo's like, you're late. And he goes, I'm never late. I always arrive precisely when I mean to. If you get alone and actually stay in the presence of God, you too will be Gandalf. You'll arrive precisely when you're meant to. If you had to claw your way through a door, it wasn't God. We spent the last two years trying to claw our way into the, church, into the churches, into the schools around us. Last two years, fighting our way in, getting opportunities, dropping the ball. It never worked out, right? A new superintendent comes in, finds us, and goes, hey, I heard you guys were reaching out to schools. Can you help us? And it's like, uh, yes. Is this, is this a trick? I'm confused. I'm scared. <laughs> um... Open door. And when God closes a door, he opens a window. Right? No, so I'm just kidding. Uh, But he gives you opportunities. (laughs) And and I think this constant question mark style of interacting with God, like, I'm not sure if he's called me here or to do this. Like, if you're there, get along with God. Become a part of a community and wait until things become clear. Trust God enough that he will put you in the place to open those doors. Amen. Amen. So that's the end of the earth. I mean, as a church, we're not there yet, but we are planning things. Because I'll tell you what, like my wife's main thing when we got married was like, I was like, I feel called to be a pastor. And she goes, yeah, I feel called to be a missionary. And I was like, well, those seem to contradict. As we prayed, though, we really felt like that's just going to be a part of our marriage at some point. You know? Because she feels like that's her main call before God. So (laughs) <laughs> uh, but she feels like that was her main call before God. And so it's like, you know, that means then this church is half ran by someone who wants to leave and half ran by someone who never wants to leave ever, right? <laughs> and so that's eventually how the church will look, just so you know. This church will have a large mission focus because that is like my, my wife's main thing. She prophesies and she leaves, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm just kidding. Um and I teach, and I, and I just, like, sit down, and I don't go anywhere. You even see that, like, on vacation. She goes, oh, I'm so excited to go to California. And I'm like, that sounds like I'm at the drive. Oh, I could be playing video games or, I mean, praying in the presence of a God. Fasting. Fasting, not playing. I'm just kidding. Um, now, right? So that's the nations. I pray you got something from that. Let's take a step back. Let's go to Judea and Samaria. Let's talk about the city, right? Here's the thing. I actually believe citywide outreach is the main evangelistic style of the local church, right? I actually believe that is the function of us coming together. What is the purpose of tithe and offering? Shout out to tithe and offering in Jesus' name. What is the purpose of it? So we can, as a community, put our funds together and start blessing things. That is the main purpose of it. it. Again, the Bible says things like, those who preach the word should live by the word. So it, it, it's supposed to pay teachers. And if we're meeting in a spot, yes, we're, we're together as a community. We're keeping this building going. We're keeping those pretty lights that we bought off John and Vio after their wedding uh, because they look so nice. Uh, but like, you know, like it, keep this stuff on like, but mostly it's to feed these kids at the school. It's to buy them shoes. It's, the Bible says that that he who blesses a prophet receives the reward of a prophet. And so you have to understand, you have to like look at this with spiritual eyes, that when we went and we used church funds and we bought shoes and pants and jackets for these kids, those of you who gave into that, there is an aspect of a blessing that you receive from God that will be found in no other way than by coming together and changing another community. Acts chapter six, verse one to four, Boom. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. Which, by the way, um, Deacon Chad and Deacon Dante, this is their role, right? They're men of good repute, full of the spirit, and they're full of wisdom. Um, And fun fact, duty is a funny word. Verse (laughs) 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is what is very important about the concept of outreach, right? Is this, when the Hellenists came against the Christians and said, hey, you guys aren't outreaching well, their response wasn't no, their response was you're right, and they built an entire ministry to facilitate. They rose up specific leaders with the goal of reaching out and impacting those in need. It is an integral part of the church, so much so that the 12 leaders realize for the first time in their entire ministry, we have to add more leaders to this group because this is important. And come on, Peter's hard-headed. If he didn't think that, he would have said, that's not my problem. (laughs) But he produced an entire structure of the church. And what was this distribution coming from? Well, it was coming from everyone laying things at the feet of the prophet, of the the apostles. And they were picking it up and going, okay, now you need this. Okay, you need this. And that's why outreach truly is a team event. Does that make sense? And so a good example of outreach with us right now, our main focus of outreach this year is this elementary school. Look around. We're not huge. And we're going to impact far more people than there are people in this building through the combined giving of the people in this building. Because God multiplies when a church gives in faith. Right? And that's why over COVID, when all the other churches were shut down and doing their things, our church fed over 1,000 people. And we were smaller than we are now. And it was beautiful and it was amazing. And that's the kind of church we are and we want to be. A church that doesn't stay in the four walls. But a church that goes out. Some of you, in your heart right now, God has placed outreach desires, ministries in your heart. And if he called you here, then grab a shovel and let's start building it. Let's well, impact. There are people in need. We want a partner. We want to be a part of it. We just need to do it in a wise way. How do we be good stewards of the income coming in, and how can we impact the best? And right now, with a church of this size, the answer isn't to spread all around the city. Know who you are, know where you're at. Yeah. So we're gonna just attack this church with love. It actually kind of reminded me, it was like a picture, um, now at least the story I had heard, I don't know if this was like an internet um, myth or something, but uh, when I was growing up in high school, there was a really popular brand And it was called To Write Love on Her Arms, right? And and I wore the shirts. It was, if you were a scene kid or a little skater or something like that, like, it was, like, really in. And so I had belts. I had, like, like a thing on my shoelace. And I didn't care what it meant. It was just cool. And that's what it was about. But there was actually something happening. And so apparently the way that this company started was about three dudes who saw a girl that was was cutting herself mutilating herself and hurting herself. And they decided they would spend the year just lavishing her in love to see what would happen in her life by the end of the equation. And so they spent the year, and they said that throughout the time, like, she started dressing differently, she started smiling more, not because they asked her to, they were just loving on her. And what happened is naturally, because a lot of the things we do, whether we know it or not, and I'm not saying if you wear that jacket, you're, we know that you're, you're depressed, right? But a lot of times the outward things that we do, even the clothes that we wear, is a sign of how we're feeling on the inside, right? And so this girl started to change in response to them. If she had a need, they fulfilled it. If she was hungry, they fed her. They just hung out with her, they brought her around places, they just did all this stuff, and eventually an entire outreach type of brand formed from three guys just saying we're gonna change her life and I think we're doing something similar as a church I believe we'll be able to impact a lot more but I think right now our Avenue is if we just really pour in as a community towards this school I think it'll put us in a position where that can start to pour out and flow through the rest of the city so a pastor Eric gets up here and he says hey there are these things we can be a part of, please prayerfully consider joining that, because the pastor showing up for a reading time is good, but an entire community at a reading time and then some people at uh, where you talk about your job, I forget what it's called, uh, and just like if we're just constantly around, that's much more overwhelming than just the few, the proud, the bold pastors who are just the men of God that everyone has to watch do things. I, I don't think that's God's will. There's an opportunity for all of us, right? And lastly, um, we're going to talk about, uh, let's go back to Acts 1.8 for me. Um, we're going to go back to Jerusalem, and let's talk about personal evangelism. We as a church, I'm going to talk you through a process. I'm just going to be honest. We're just going to talk about it because as much as this is maybe a general understanding of evangelism, Again, we're going through our church's three pillars, and so in a lot of senses, this message is for you in the building, and those of you listening by podcast 10 years from now in the future when we're huge and amazing, uh, but, <laughs> but this is for us, and so this message is more about vision than it is about anything else, um, but as a church, we tried for a long time to do outreach events. We get the whole church together, and we go out and we just pray for people. And we have a lot of really cool testimonies about things we saw, but we have almost zero testimonies about change that happened. A lot of people experience the goodness of God. But not many of them live in that. And what I would say is we spent five years hitting the strip, which isn't bad to do, hitting malls, which isn't bad to do. But what happened is nothing really came out of it. And lately, kind of really dealing with evangelism in my heart for things, I started really seeking God on why. like, Because I, I don't feel like a bunch of people getting together and preaching the gospel, I don't feel like that's a waste of time. But statistically it is. Right, but, but do I care about statistics or do I care about what God is saying? And so I start to really pray and think on this and I, and I finally realize something. I think outreach is a church event, but I really think largely evangelism, I think that's more personal than we give it credit for. Evangelism is most effective to the people you know. It's less effective to the people you see randomly on the streets. You should tell them about Jesus too, Right? But I'm starting to realize because people will begin to push throughout my years as a pastor, two years as a lead pastor, five years as a youth pastor, right? They'll begin to push of like, oh, man, we got to go out and we got to do this, or we got to go out and we got to do that. And, and, and I feel the energy. I feel it. But then eventually over time, I think I'm just, because we're unwilling to live the life that will impact our brothers and sisters, we're demanding the church produce a ministry. So that we can feel like we're doing the thing that we won't do in our personal time. And as I really prayed that, that kind of hit me and washed over me. That my most effective times, my most effective evangelism styles I've seen. Let's just look around at people, this church. Aaron Rosenberg in the back right there is one of the few people that I evangelized to about Jesus that is saved and involved with Jesus to this day. We work together. Several months to, was it a couple years? Not important, a long time. <laughs> Sorry, like I got a message to preach, right? And we wouldn't just talk. I didn't just preach the gospel once and then that was it. There were conversations. Hard conversations. Actually, the conversation that finally got him to talk about Jesus was a message that I never thought would ever bring someone to Jesus. He walked up and says, hey, why do Christians hate gays? That was the conversation that led to him a part of church. Yeah. Isaac, the other guy in the back, because apparently when you get saved here, we throw you in the back. Um, Isaac worked with Jesse. Jesse. He showed up to debate me, and those those of you who know Isaac, you're like, "Oh wow, he yeah. he still." <laughs> I don't know it's like it kind of reminds me of Peter. Like if you read Peter in the Gospels and then in Acts, he hasn't changed. It's just like more holy, like he's still a more holy, argumentative yeah. yeller. Yeah. And Isaac is very Peteresque, yeah. right? But again, he showed up not knowing the Lord, right. but Jesse was consistent. The people that I've seen come to Jesus and stay with Jesus are the people that people spent personal time with. Olivia's story is the same. Her and, her and Jesse, uh, shout out to, I guess, one of our great evangelists in the church. Her and Je- and I brought Jesse to church, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but <laughs> I did. Uh, <laughs> shout, out <to> <laughs> shout out to Patrick. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, but th- these are the stories of the people who got really... Actually, from started from the bottom, and now they're here. All of them pretty much trail back to, "Oh yeah, this person was my neighbor. Oh yeah, yeah, this this person I worked with them." Because personal evangelism has a much more success, higher success rate. And if sitting around, and you're like, "Well, how come I don't have a higher success rate?" Maybe you're not living a life of love with the brethren. And maybe you're not preaching the gospel. And maybe you're not getting alone with God. And so when he's directing you to say things, you can't even hear him. And again, this is why I said I hate preaching on evangelism, even though it's really important. Because at some point it's just like, I get it. You think the world's ending. So instead of posting about it on Facebook, tell someone about Jesus. Because if you get another convert of like, yeah, yeah, the world's ending. What are we going to do about it? I don't know. Complain about it on Facebook more. Like, nothing's changing. Do something that's going to change things. But we get riled up, and the enemy convinces us to get focused on anything besides preaching the gospel. They don't agree what I agree with about politics, so that's what we have to talk about. Talk about Jesus. Most of you aren't even qualified to talk about politics anyway. I know I'm not. I have ideas on other people's ideas about ideas of politics. Like, and most of you are in the same boat. (laughs) Right. Like we're more concerned about gender roles than we are about just preaching the gospel. And because we're choosing for our main arguments to be about what the culture is dividing on instead of the main point being Jesus, we're not being successful Christians. I was sitting with a pastor in this city, actually, Pastor Chris Ritchie, shout out to him. uh, And we were talking about people and not like like people in general right? And he was saying, he's like, man, there's just some people that I wish just wouldn't tell people they were Christian or just didn't tell people that they went to our church. It's like, because you make us look bad. But I feel like that happens when we choose argument over anything else. When we choose debate or, or politics or the big thing going on. Listen, here's the truth. I know people don't like to hear this. If it's not an old belief system, it's probably not true, right? Like like if it's a progressive Christian thought, it's probably not true. <laughs> so major on the majors and just tell people about Jesus. And again, I preached this message two years ago when the BLM riots were happening here at, at our church, not at our church, they're happening in the city. I remember preaching and I'm just like, I don't care what side you're on, show up to the rallies and tell everyone about Jesus. Because do you know what would make cop abuse lower if those people really love Jesus? Do you know what would make, if you're on the other side of the spectrum, do you know what would really help those children stop being so violent? If they loved Jesus and they had a father figure walking with them. Which you could be, but you're too busy deciding that because they're on the other side of the tracks so that you don't have anything for them. 2 Timothy 4.5 says this, and this is, I think this is very important. This is most of us, right? And as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelist, and so fulfill your ministry. Leave that up, right? And here's the point that I'm I'm trying to make with this. I know everyone's called to change the world, and all of you had a prophecy that you're going to be famous someday. I'm sorry, that prophet lied. He wanted to be invited back to church again. Because he gets a fat amount of money when he comes through to church. And so he got, he's got to say positive things. and He's got to make sure everyone is a planet shaker in the church so he can come back. It's just church culture. It's unfortunate. Some of you really did get that word. I'm really happy for you. But you'll never change the world until you can change your family or your neighbors or your coworkers. Right? But what's happening is Paul, who is an apostle to the nations, is writing to his disciple Timothy, who isn't called to the nations. He's called to a city. And what does he say to him? He says, do the work of the evangelist. Because evangelism is a personal call that we all have. No one here is exempt. Woo. Hashtag glad I came to church today. (laughs) Next week, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. That'll be much more exciting. But really, I think it's much more exciting because then on that topic, we get to talk about us and all of our warm and fuzzies again. Look, you've all been sent to some way or the other. Whether you've been sent to your neighbors, or you've been sent to your city somehow, or you've been sent to the nations, everyone who believes in Jesus is sent. And unfortunately, that is just as much a part of the gospel As salvation itself. The gospel isn't you're saved now. Deuces. The gospel is. Repent. For the kingdom. Is at hand. And unfortunately. When Jesus said. Talked about the kingdom. He said the kingdom of heaven is violent. and The violent take it by force. But we do not war carnally, but we war in the spirit. So when Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is violent, the violent take it by force, he is talking about this virus style of outreach, just radically overtaking things, radically preaching the gospel, radically seeing your jobs and your bosses change for the better, radically seeing your neighborhoods change. It's violent. Basically, when we set back and we watched COVID take over the world, that is exactly how the church should be spreading. And the truth with the kingdom of God and the truth with this world is this. There will always be a kingdom spreading, whether it's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the enemy. And every city is different. And every city is being either taken by one thing or the other. And it really just depends on what are the men and women of God doing. That's it. That's us. Because Jesus says, go and do likewise. Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. (laughs) Uh, God, I pray people would be encouraged. I realize that today was heavy, God, but I pray that our hearts would be prepared. That the truth of your word and the truth of this kingdom that we are a part of, God, I pray that that would be enough to motivate us. I thank you that you heal. I thank you that you're sending us thank you that there's breakthrough and I thank you that there really are times to come together as a community and to lick our wounds and to see you really move but God I pray that in Boulevard Church we would start to see your signs miracles and wonders again I pray that healing would be a regular part of this church in this ministry yeah. I pray prophecy and the uh, this, uh, speaking of tongues and the, the the flow of your spirit would become a regular aspect of this church but God I know that your Holy Spirit came to reach the lost and until the lost are in this room getting preached your gospel. Then this church will be dry. And God, I pray for a church that is flowing. A church that isn't a well on the inside, but it's actually using the water of the well. To bring fulfillment to those outside. Thank you for a neighborhood that will be impact for your gospel. Thank you for a city That will see your truth. I thank you for a nation that will bow a knee to its God once again. And I thank you for a world that really will come under the dominion of a superior kingdom. And in Jesus name I say. Amen.